I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program reality. Welcome everyone to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. Record our episodes live in Altspace every week, and you can join us for free, even if you don't have a VR headset. This is true. Just log into Altspace from your laptop or PC, join our event, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. We are also proud to announce that this show is officially sponsored by the From the Barrio Foundation, which is on a mission to inspire people to seek education, develop the skills to be successful throughout their lives. Check out fromthebarrio.com for more. As for today, we are very excited to dive into all things anime with our fearless guide, Shoyo, who runs the Seas Anime Club here at Allspace. Shoyo will start all the way back at the beginning in Japan and lead us through the pillars of the art form to its present state. Talk about all your favorites from Evangelion and Cowboy Bebop, as well as dive into the lesser-known gems like the Tale of the White Serpent and maybe even Sally the Witch. If you're a fan of anime, or if you're intimidated by the massive amount of content that there is, like myself, this is your guide, ladies and gentlemen. Give a warm emoji welcome, Shoyo. Hello, so nice to be here. I'm super excited to talk anime with you. And yeah, I no. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like I, I said in the intro, I'm glad you're here because it's so there's so much and it's so intimidating. I I am a person who I'll admit it right up front. I come at it from like we've done two episodes on this show. We've done Ghost in the Shell and we've done Akira, sort of like the big pillars of what Americans know, I guess you'd say, as anime. Uh, plus, we you know I know Pokemon and things like that. But I love that you uh, have such a massive uh, expansive knowledge and. When we started talking about what we wanted to cover in this episode, I think you sent me maybe a hundred different shows and titles <laughs> that you wanted to talk about. And I don't know if we're going to get to all those, but um, it's really uh, incredible. And we're very happy to have you here to, to help guide us. Super excited. Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious, you said you may come in cosplay. What is yeah. this uh, wonderful cosplay that you're wearing before us? I've done cosplay. I've done this specific cosplay for so many times, but this is Mary Saltome from Kakegurui um, and Kakegurui Twin. Um, one of my favorite, really wild out there animes from the modern, super modern day uh, era. And I absolutely love her tenacity and everything in between. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm I'm curious, you know, we're going to start with the origin story. I'm so curious as to how you found yourself uh, in immersed in this culture and then how you came to bring that to Altspace. So uh, whichever comes first, let us know. Your love of anime or your uh, group, uh, anime group in Altspace. And hi, how's it going um, out there? Bad news. And uh, we've got uh, someone whose name is too long to be able to read. And you drink, uh, in any case, if you guys have any... <laughs> Thanks. If you guys had any thoughts or questions, please use the raise hand option and we will definitely call on you. Um, yeah, in the meantime, um, your origin story, uh, show you. Um, so I'll start with, you know, how I got into anime. Uh, when I was a kid, I definitely just, I mean, I'm a huge lover of everything animation still now, but I think I started watching anime from a very young age. Um, and I think one of my favorite ones 
um, when I was younger was Yu-Gi-Oh! Kind of how I got into anime was watching Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, and I think I was kind of lucky to be able to not only watch the Americanized version, but also like get hints of the Yu-Gi-Oh! Zero uh, series. And so although I that's how I got into it, I actually read a lot more manga when I was uh, younger and growing up. And so I read the stories a lot more than I do now. Now I, I watch a lot more than I read. Um, but I just like Yu-Gi-Oh! really set me off. And I love you guys still love. I'm a huge Yu-Gi-Oh! fan to this day. I named my car after the Pharaoh attempt. Wow. And I love Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, but there were just so many series um, that really were so interesting in how they told their stories um, that I think set them, set that's what basically sets anime apart from regular animations or cartoons that we um, kind of see here in the United States more, more wow. often. And then okay. how I brought that here, um, huh, I, when I first kind of got into, you know, VR was like six years ago, almost now. It'll be six years ago soon. And really? I... Yeah, I love, I was just like super into like everything VR tech. Was okay. And so I started out, you know, just kind of, you know, meeting people and I still luckily have some of those people I met today. Then at some point I decided, you know what, I want to make a space where people can talk about anime. I want to have a space where people can just enjoy themselves and we just be able to like, you know, Talk a, you know, have like a club where people feel safe, whether it's about manga, whether it's about anime, whether it's, you know, oh, I've seen like a hundred series or, you know, actually I've only seen this one. I wanted people to have a space to be able to talk about anime. So I created that a C's anime club about four years ago now. And it definitely wow, has changed. Group. <laughs> yeah wow. it's changed a lot um i've changed the space a lot i've we've had a influx uh, of different types of people especially you know in the recent years you know covid and everything um mm -hmm. so it's been really cool ride and i've met some really cool people simply by just talking about anime and then got to know them better after that so like wow. that's the space that i've motivated and I'm really I really love it all very cool I'm curious you know back four years ago or six years ago what what headset were you using when you were first in old space that predates <laughs> the oculus quest doesn't it yeah I was I was using the go and before the go I was using a valve um so the go was kind of my favorite thing though that was the first headset that I bought I was on my computer for for a while, um, but the Go was the first headset that I had had for myself. Valve was that I was using with other people, and then obviously my computer, you know. Um, but yeah, the Go that was my thing oh. with the one controller moving around in here yeah. when we were stick figures. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you were building worlds. You had worlds back then, and all that stuff. So that's really that's quite impressive. And you are a true OG. So that's a have you on the stage and uh we're gonna we're gonna get into a lot of stuff i see that dom's uh doc samson has a question i'm gonna uh, call on you just one second i do have one question before we get to doc which is 
Um, so, you know, when I, when I mentioned people I was doing this episode, I feel like I've never had so much passion outflow from people. Oh, this is my favorite image. Oh, you got to talk about this one. Oh, I love this thing. And that You're such a passion for the, the genre. What do you think it is about uh, the anime genre that causes people to have so much uh, strong emotions about it? I think what anime does so well is that it tells stories in a way that I don't think um, regular cartoons do usually. Um, they do have tropes that they typically stick to sometimes or that they use uh, generally. However, it's just the storytelling. It's also the animation style. It is so hard to replicate for on Japanese animation, basically. Um, and when it's tried, you know, sometimes it falls short because they, they're just missing that little bit of essence. And so, like, I really have always appreciated just how good the storytelling can be in anime. Um, like, I'm a huge lover of stories. You know, it's a cultural thing. It's also just, like, I was a creative writer. I love poetry. So being able to not only read, but see a story being carried out so well on screen, I just love it. And I love just, I love the intenseness of Japanese animation, which is mm. something very specific to it. Like it. It just sets a bar and runs with it, like which is very different from cartoons, even though I love cartoons that are only like here. Um, or Canada or anything. I love cartoons regardless, but just Japanese animation just takes it to another level. Just, just that high bar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think that's for sure. The artistry is is incredible. I think the storytelling, like you're saying, is also so much more mature than what we're used to with just Disney cartoons. Uh, they kind of are, can be violent, they can be aggressive, they can be more uh, for adults and for uh, older older people. So I think that that's a, a big part of it as well. Uh, good to see you, Sherwood and Blue and, and Sparrow. Nice, uh, nice to see you guys. Uh, hopefully you guys are anime fans as well, and maybe you can add to the conversation here. So we're going all the way back, way, way back to the beginning. So, uh, Shoyo, you um, were mentioning that there's a lot of area, I guess it's, how far back do we go here with these three gentlemen? So we, maybe you could tell us who these three gentlemen are and how they tie into the, the birth of this art form. All right. So... Um, in ni 1917 is basically the year of when the first anime um, happened. However, um, most people, there's like an argument in Japanese culture of which series or which feature film was the first anime. But how, and even though that conversation continues to happen, um, the three people that are most notable during this time of creating animation features in Japan for these three men, Oten Shimokawa, Seitaro Kitayama, and Junichi Kochi. These three people are known as basically the godfathers of anime. They are the originators. They are the people that put in the work for um, leading us to where we are today. Um, and they all created different types of work. Um, but 
I shy away from naming one specific anime series as the first anime series since uh, even in Japanese culture, there's literally just like a, oh, well, this is it. That's it. But we know that these three men created different shows, created different animations, feature films um, that were considered one of or possibility uh, as a possibility of the the first anime. Um, mm-hmm. And so these three men are very important and actually specifically Oten Shimokawa in the middle. Um, he put in a whole lot of work when it comes to thinking about anime that uh, was continuing in the time for the few decades that were after the 1910s. However, after the 1910s, there was a bit of a gap uh, between then and the 40s because you didn't know the 1923 Great Kanto uh, earthquake happened. And so because that earthquake happened, ruined um, a lot of Japan and in turn ruined a whole lot of um, the animation that 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 was there any record of these things kind of vanished and there was actually a few copies of things that were found in 2008 of things from that time period besides that anything between 1917 and 1939 there aren't many examples that people can show for for anime because of that earthquake and because of um, how things were handled then when Japan was going to war with China as well. So things just started, you know, being different. They weren't allowed to use paper for non-essential things. Um, And so like when it came to manga, which is where most anime comes from, um, it's like an, it's the theatrical version of the book of the manga um there weren't many mangas being able to be written because paper was only supposed to be used for absolutely essential things Hmm. interesting so then and i guess also the fact that there was a wartime there's a lot of i guess propaganda in the early anime so this one we've got here is uh momotaro uh sacred sailors and apparently that was used to try to get troops to rile them and fight for japan is that it was essentially absolutely. propaganda. Yeah. Absolutely. The 40s is literally full of stories that are propaganda films. Um, we have Momotoro, which is basically, um, it was showing Japanese boys um, growing up and becoming soldiers. And in their growing up and becoming soldiers, it also depicted their enemies at the time, which were also other nations in Asia picking their enemies as animals and so we see mm. all these different type of imagery we're seeing a little bit of um seeing a lot of you know propaganda obviously discrimination stereotypes and everything in this time period um, and besides momotoro uh, we had something called the magic pen which is basically a showing of um a, it was a western occupation propaganda film so, like, you see a boy that is repairing a Western doll, and with this magic pen, uses it to basically uh, rebuild a society, look more like a, a Western society. And so we're hmm. seeing a whole lot of series where um, it's just pure, hey, this is what's happening. We're trying to get you to do this. We want need people to go to war. We also want you all to know, unquote, what's happening. Uh, it, 
in regards to Japan. And so out of that, we see things like Long Live Japan as well, Carter and Tulip. And so all these different things um, were just propaganda films for the 40s. I mean, some of these films, um, actually the, uh, the film uh, makers were basically forced to make some of these films by the naval defense that was Japan. So some of these things were mm. off of the volition of the filmmaker, filmmaker or, or, or manga uh, writer, and then some things weren't. So, um, yeah, we've seen a lot of propaganda. Well, hopefully World War, this was at the time of World War II, so hopefully mm -hmm. World Wars are behind us. We could only uh, keep our fingers crossed about that. Um, but you, you're starting, I guess we're starting to see a little bit of the iconic anime, the, the big eyes and things like that, but it's not quite getting there just yet. So let's jump ahead yeah. uh, to next decade. This is what, the 1950s, I believe, uh, with the tale yes, of the Yes, this is the Serpent. 1950s. Um, the Tale of the White Server. This was the first um, theatrical anime feature film that was in color. And so before this, everything was obviously in black and white, but this was the first um, in color feature film. And it comes from one of the biggest animation studios that is still alive and super well today, Toy Animation, uh, which is huge, huge studio that does amazing work. Um, so they, this is where they started. This was, this was their first huge theatrical film. Then they had another one, um, that was called Magic Boy, um, that premiered like literally a few months after it, um, a few months before it and was, it was not in color. Um, however, we're seeing this kind of, okay, these are first of the way we are telling stories. And the interesting thing about the the Tell of the White Serpent is that it actually comes from it's a Chinese cultural story. It's a story that the Japanese decided to take on that has um is hinged upon Chinese culture. And so to think about like the history of that, you know, they're just coming off of, you know, very interesting or dire relations with, with China. Um, and this is one of the first films that is ever produced um, in color um, for anime. Right. Interesting. Um, yeah, you're, it's it still is uh, is not quite what we think of as anime. This next one, though, as we head into the 1960s, talking about a lot of firsts. This is the first one I recognize, uh, Astro Boy. Yes. So now we've. <laughs> Maybe you could tell us what, uh, how is this uh, setting off a new trend in anime? So Astro Boy was um, a huge series in Japan. And it was the first series. So prior to, we had movies, feature films, you know, things that were like 11 minutes, 30 minutes. I believe the Tell of the White Serpent was like 74 minutes. Now we're hitting the point where we're making series. So we're making episodes. Um, and Astro Boy was super popular in not only Japan, but also in the United States. It was one of, it was the first super popular anime series in the United States. And the reason why is that a lot of people in the United States at the time just seemed to relate well to Astro Boy. This was actually still in black and white in the 60s. However, 
he did create a new adaptation in the 80s that was in color. This was a, actually a different kind of series because it didn't really take strictly from the manga. Um, but it was still Astro Boy and people definitely still loved it in the 80s just as much as they loved it in the 60s. Uh, and I guess for me, I whenever I think of anime, I think of sci-fi and and robots and you know mecha suits and things like that. And this was the essentially the first time that a robot, so high tech technology, was being integrated into the anime. And it kind of starts having that look that you attribute with anime. Um, I yeah. guess that all came from this series as well. Yeah, I think like we're definitely start seeing a whole lot more okay, science, super science, super futuristic type um, of designs and um, settings uh, in anime as we get closer to the 80s. You just see a rise in all of that, and Astro Boy definitely impacted that um, in a very huge way, no doubt. Next one is one that I hadn't recognized, but um, I have some uh, Chinese and Japanese friends who are like, oh, no, this one. I guess it's been remade as well. Maybe you could yes. tell us a little bit about uh, Osomatsu-kun, I think you would say. Osomatsu-kun is a huge, um, successful comedy anime. And this was like, a, okay, moving away from propaganda, we're moving away from super serious you know, topics. This was the super fun series. It's basically like um, a bunch of brothers, sex tuplets <laughs> that just cause a whole lot of mischief. That's it. There's, that's literally the plot. That's the storyline. They're just getting in trouble, doing wild things, you know, <laughs> making things interesting. Um, and so this is a different kind of, I want to say, start for anime. Since things before then, before now, were like very serious. I think this kind of set the set in stone for new comedy anime that came in the future. Like, hey, we're going to use these specific tropes when it comes to being funny. It has to be going to use some of these specific things. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be playful. Um, it's not necessarily dark humor or anything like that but super, super playful um, and just like everyday life things. And so I think that's why it was super um, popular because something that families could see themselves watching at home, like, oh my goodness, that's like my brother. Or like, oh my goodness, like this, this child is just always getting into some mess. So the newer series that's actually called Oso Matsu-san um, uh, went from 2015 to 2021. So it just so it's, kind of like a new, a different take with, with modern, you know, kind of twists on the same series. This is a more domestic, relatable series, uh, sort yeah. of like what we would have the Simpsons or the Rugrats or something like Absolutely. that, family situations, bunch of kids Absolutely. messing around, stuff like that, relatable. Uh, and, and, I, and I guess, you know, now we're definitely getting uh, the sort of more iconic look uh, in in the art, do you know? Is there a specific artist besides the three that you mentioned at the beginning that sort of bring out that iconic look, or is it just a, a culture that is growing and there's no particular one artist that is being defining that? Ooh. Um, 
I believe that there are definitely some artists could be named that I cannot name. However, I will say that there was a very specific change in animation style that happened going from paper animation, which was super cheap, um, to cell animation, which was a lot more costly. Um, cell animation is basically where you have uh, maybe three or more um, types of animations or drawings. And you take the view from, um, from above. But with all those three drawings on top of each other to create kind of a whatever movement that they want. And so video um, using a, a camera to use that to create animation at that point is very different from the animation that we would have saw in like Tell of the White Serpent um, because it's was mostly just paper. It was mostly um, paper, hand-drawn, um, in the process. And then we got to sale, which is a little bit more, um, it was a little bit more modern at the time. Yeah, I'm sure that's, I think, what Disney would have been doing at the time, right? Cell animation. So they're sort of uh, across uh, maybe each are influencing each other or something like that. It Disney seems absolutely like the, influenced anime. A yeah, bit. It, it certainly seems like the 60s was a big explosion. We've got one more from the 60s, which is a, a very interesting one, Sally the Witch. Um, so it does seem like there's a big explosion in the 60s of all these different types. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is the, the last one we're going to touch on. What, what's, what's special about this one? Sally the Witch is like... Um, like this is some this is a series that one could say made way for something like Sailor Moon. Mm -hmm. Um, this is where we are seeing a start of the shoujo genre. Shoujo is basically anime that is meant for adolescents or young girls, young women, um, as opposed to shonen, which is anime that's made for younger boys or younger men. Um, and so we're seeing um friendships, we're seeing um Obviously, a little bit of, of magic and magic casting and what that what that looks like. Uh, but we're seeing things of which we didn't see before, which was, okay, there's actually an audience for little girls that we could be tapping into. Whereas before, I don't think that was a, although there was little girls and young women that were probably watching some of the older anime. Um, I think this was probably one of the first, like, this is specifically for little girls that we're trying to you know, reach. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that that is kind of cool because the shoujo genre is definitely, now modern time is definitely kind of interesting to me um, because I definitely watch a lot more shonen than I do shoujo. However, mm -hmm. um, to recognize that difference in what, was seen as oh this is for boys and this little girls um that that binary was absolutely still there um but i think it's great that they decided okay this is the time we're gonna you know take that leap right yeah i've got it yeah that clearly led to a whole subgenre in itself um if there's if we're just about to head into the 70s which is sort of a more modern era so if any of you guys 
have any thoughts or questions, uh, Nutrika or Fantasy Field Guide, or uh, even you back there, Lakshmi. Uh, hello, Elbugiate. <laughs> Guys, so if anyone has any thoughts or questions, <laughs> use the raise hand option. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts uh, as well. Okay, so now we head into the 70s, and this is where uh, it's getting uh, to things that I could definitely recognize. So um, we're starting yeah. here with Mobile Suit Gundam, and there's a, a whole bunch of Gundams, and this was the first, I believe. Is that right? Yes, yes. This was the first, and this was actually towards the end of the 70s, which is why I think um, it started using the concept of wearable mechs and everything. I um, mean, basically, so interesting how mech kind of rose during this time. Uh, the ushering in of robots and everything scientific, using these things as tools of war or and tools of fighting, makes sense in a historical context because, I mean, we are in this time was like a very, very height of the Cold War still. We're seeing the space race. Uh, you know, kind of happening before our eyes. And um, all of this is impacting what is seen as popular. And what was seen as popular was we got to have the biggest mecha suit so we can beat the bad guy, you know? Mm -hmm. So like Mobile Suit Gundam kind of uh, was a super fierce series that used mecha suits uh, basically trying to defend their planet from a very evil king. And so it had beautiful imagery. The colors were beautiful, um, set in a wonderful um, uh, space, space and everything. And so it's just we're, we're starting to get very different series now in this time period because there's just so much mech. Like we're seeing series like Voltron, Defender of the Universe. Um, we're seeing things like Bubblegum Crisis. Uh, which Bubblegum Crisis was actually kind of different from uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, where they kind of said, okay, we've got a whole, a whole female cast. Um, and they were also wearing super fierce mecha suits, um, trying to fight, trying to defeat a corrupt megacorp um, and all that kind of stuff. So it's like we're seeing now in, in this time and then also in the 80s a little bit, um, it's kind of, oh, tools of war is just the, the thing that's in. And mm. which I think impacted a really important and amazing series, actually didn't come out to the 2000s, Gaos, which used mech in a way that wasn't super, um, I guess I'd say it was, they used mech in a way that wasn't super unbearable that people were wanting to still watch it even in the 2000s. Well, you know, I think that Mechas, the idea of a mecha suit has continued on to this day. I think it of even filmmaker James Cameron way back in, in the 80s, he was using mecha suits in the movie Aliens, which is a live action mm -hmm. movie. And if you watch the original Avatar, the new Avatar is about to come out. Original Avatar, the only way that they could compete against the... Um, Navi is the humans put on these mecha suits, right? So it's mm -hmm. kind of interesting that all of this is really derived, I think, from anime in the 70s. And in, in Japan, the idea of this hyper-futuristic, uh, hyper-technological uh, society and uh, integrating ourselves with, with machines almost in a cyborg kind of way, which is really uh, ahead of its time, I think. It's really interesting. Absolutely. Well, 
I think we've got a question from Lakshmi here before we get into the 80s. Oh, Lakshmi, um, let me see if I can get you. Uh, oh, not, maybe it's not working there. We may have to reboot that one. Maybe, is she still here? Um, if Lakshmi returns, uh, we can take her question. I think she might have popped out. Uh, all right, so here we go. So we're going into the 80s. And 80s, apparently, I guess, is golden age. So maybe you could tell us why the 80s is such a, of the golden age. Um, although Lupin the Third, is that 80s or is that still 70s? That's still 70s. Lupin the Third is okay. still 70s. And what's so interesting about Lupin the Third is that it's literally just about stealing. I'm sure many people have heard the story of Lupin, uh, even in the more English or Western versions of the story. Um, and the interesting part about this is that I have not seen a series that just continues to make a new part. <laughs> like this started in the 70s and it was airing still in March of this year. Um, they've continued to have new parts that air in different you know, decades along the line and years. Um, and it's continued to be a very popular storyline for a lot of people. I think this is one of the series where probably you've got longstanding fans uh, that are just sticking with it. And then you get to see new people that are like, oh, you know what? The more modern version of this animation style is actually kind of appealing to me. I can watch it. They might not be able to watch the 70s version, but they can watch the 2021 version. Um, so I think that's really cool. Uh, long range show. I guess it, he's called Lupin the Third because I guess his and father was father. a master thief and then taught him mm -hmm. how to become a thief as well and so it's sort of an anti-hero yeah. story uh it, yeah. it's you know it, it's kind of neat as well because other ones were sort of like uh these robots or people that were working with society now we're having an anti-hero in the 70s that's working against society in the forest which is a new yeah it's a little different from everything else uh, <laughs> that's happening during this time uh, because it has no mech in it uh, at in any shape or form, and Lupin is literally just doing what he wants to do and causing havoc. Right. It's, a, it, it, it's a formula that never gets old. Um, okay, <laughs> so we had the 60s where there seemed to be this big explosion of content, and then we head into the 80s, where, uh, which is called the golden era. Why, do, why is the 80s considered this golden era of anime? It's too much goodness. <laughs> or at least too many pivotal uh, series that were being made um, that have impacted a lot of what we see now, which is why I think it's called the golden age. And also I, I, in the 80s, I think we see a lot more people that are getting into anime. Like in the 60s, if you knew about anime, it was like, oh, okay, you know, Astro Boy. I see it as like a regular cartoon. Don't really see it as anime, maybe. But um, in the 80s, you see a lot more people that are like, oh, this Japanese style of animation is kind of cool. Like seeking out Japanese animation in its purest form, I think you see a lot more influx of people outside of Japan wanting to seek out anime in this time. Mm -hmm. And so then you've got a lot more popular series got a lot more um eyes on the eyes on the screen with these things 
And so then because of that, I feel like as, you know, different animation studios saw that, they're like, okay, this is what's popular. This is what's, you know, bringing in revenue. Let's kind of, you know, keep this ride going. Um, And so that's probably why it's the golden age. It's because of how amazing it was with content. Yeah, and I guess I guess if you're if you were in Japan in the sixties and seventies, you yeah. knew all about and you just called it it was just common culture. Animation. But internationally is maybe when the eighties blossomed and because I guess of the advent of VHS and the different formats that could cheap more mm-hmm. uh, cheaply and readily available to get all this content out of Japan and into America and all around the world and it kind of led to this uh, explosion. So makes total sense okay so you mentioned a little bit with the mechas uh uh voltron here so this is a a big show from the 80s which became pretty mainstream right absolutely just kind of in the way like transformers there's a transformers anime (laughs) that is called transformers the head the headmasters um and so i think um voltron is something that i think some people kind of if you knew it and you knew it. And if you didn't, then you saw the newer Voltron in modern day, which I can't remember, I can't remember like in the 2000s or something. But I know a lot of people that love the that love the original Voltron. Um, and I think that it is one of the probably fiercest series in the time with a plot that, to me at least, um, wasn't uh super um interesting to me uh but it had was so fierce and how they animated it was so great that even if i didn't really care for the plot it was like you know this action is really good okay like i i can i can enjoy that at least um and so Voltron was a big one in that time, well as things like Theronian Warriors. Uh, we're seeing a whole lot of, we're seeing a whole lot more, um, we're seeing a rise in shonen. We're seeing a rise in action being like a pivotal piece of anime, um, which is why, you know, as we go along, we see things like Dragon Ball become super, super popular. And the cool thing about this is it sort of takes exus to the next level where you're entering into like it's sort of like a tiger that's a robot, and then that tiger can then bond with another animal robot and then make this yep. super mega robot. Like how cool is that, right? It's kind of I mean, if you think of like Power Rangers is it comes from that and <laughs> Transformers is the idea exactly. of robots that that can kind of uh change shape and how clever and, and how cool of a concept is that? Uh, and it still seems fresh today in some ways. It's such a neat, neat idea. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I guess transforming robots is is what, one of the key uh, trends here. And, and you sort of touched on the other one, which is Dragon Ball, which I guess brings martial arts into the mix. What else does Dragon Ball bring? Because that's obviously still very popular today. So Dragon Ball, definitely including martial arts, Interesting enough, if you didn't know, Dragon Ball is also based on a Chinese novel. Um, But it is a super popular franchise that has had way so many different series 
One being the I think would be the most popular is Dragon Ball Z, which came shortly mm-hmm. after Dragon Ball. Um, and then you have Dragon Ball GT, Dragon Ball Super, all of these. Just had a new Dragon Ball movie that came out earlier this year. Um, and so it's like Dragon Ball is one of those series that is just realized, oh, this is it. This is a consistent thing. I think especially when Dragon when Dragon Ball Z came, it caught a lot of people that probably didn't even know like what anime was, but you know, Toonami and you know, kids production and all these things that starting to be aired on TV. Anime was being aired on TV as regular cartoons at that time. So you got all these people watching it and they're like, I've never seen anything like this. They're actually mm-hmm really fighting things out like the way I've not seen on TV you know so you've got a lot of people that are like super interested in that concept and so I think Dragon Ball has done super well when it comes to retaining their base they know their base they stick with it and you know all the different types of characters Goku, Gohan, El, Frieza all these different kind of characters have just maintained such a high status in anime so um, that all stems from the first series that was Dragon Ball. Even though some people might not have seen Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball by itself was just like peak. And then it just continued to get better and gain more audience as people started watching it. Right. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I think that the other thing about the 80s is that, yeah, like you were saying, these, uh, these um, franchises have continued on to this day. So it really is uh, where the modern era, I guess, began. I guess the 80s, sort of the peak of the 80s with the highest budget uh, movie of the time was Akira, 1988. And we have covered that on another episode. And I, I absolutely love this movie. It's my favorite this day, you know, anime for sure. Uh, I haven't seen nearly as many as you, but um, the <laughs> amount of ideas, the amount of detail, the depth of the world. Uh, there's just the 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 uh, creativity and inventiveness, uh, and, and like you say, the fierceness of the action and the and the cool content is just un, unsurpassed in my mind. But I don't know. What do you think? I think Akira is one of those movies in a similar way, like Ghost in the Shell, that is just like these are just pivotal points, and these are super important pieces. Of anime um that we have and we're lucky to have at, at that time um because could akira have been made today and someone have ran with it and done something extremely amazing absolutely the fact that it was done in the 80s promoted all of these other series to happen um akira like like you said the visual um the animation style, wonderful. Uh, the storyline too was aux- was also encapsulating. It's something that overall, like overall, overall was just well rounded, um, which I think anyone should be able to appreciate. And since it was literally one of the best movies, anime movies of the time, I mean. There's so many different series that pull from um, this type of style of plot, this type of style of setting up a story. 
And so I think we have to appreciate Akira and things like Ghost in the Shell just for that. Even if it's not your favorite story, because I can understand it not being someone's favorite story, uh, but it's still just, it's too good to just yeah. not appreciate it. And apparently, like, you know, Astroboy, they were using eight frames a second with their animation, and Akira brought it up to 24 frames a second. So I think, yep. it, it, from what I understand, it really uh, pushed the animation technology forward and the technique forward and, and, and brought it to a new height. And apparently, Absolutely. after, you know, the uh, booming uh, 80s economy in Japan, uh, the economy crashed in 1991. So sort of ended the era and uh, that was a high watermark and then we finally get into the 90s here um in the first one we have from the 90s you mentioned before another female-centric anime called sailor moon sailor moon also was popular uh, uh globally right it wasn't only in japan mm -hmm. um but uh what was the uh appeal to um sailor moon so Sailor Moon, and like I, I said, I think I mentioned earlier, like Sally the Witch was probably the front runner for this type of anime, but Sailor Moon really took it far. Uh, we're seeing beautiful, bright colors. We're seeing, um, obviously, the making of friendships. We're seeing, in the making of friendships, we're also seeing um, a group of girls um, kind of fight badness or fight evil um we're seeing them get into very um relatable issues and at the same time seeing them get into the supernatural of the magic of the of the magic um seeing them transform in the way when i see sailor moon one could one could think about the winx club which was a very popular um cartoon here in uh, the united states um, the Wings Club, um, you see ma magic casters basically transform in their specific form. That was not happening before Sailor Moon. Got super amazing transitions, super amazing transformations, um, and we're seeing um, a group of young girls um, being highlighted in, in, in that way, which is so interesting because I'm not a super fan of Sailor Moon, uh, but I absolutely love how much it impacted like slice of life anime, which is another genre that is really just, you know, kind of covering uh, daily issues that one might be going through in life. Um, and it definitely impacted magic. Um, but it's, I feel like Sailor Moon is just a niche anime that it's like, I haven't seen anything be able to replicate that in my, mo in modern anime. I haven't seen another, um, series that I would. Then like new re adaptations of the series the 2000s but there has not been a new series that's totally new that i would say is taken from uh that um really captured what sailor moon did it's, it's definitely iconic um the next one on our list also uh maybe a major pillar in modern day anime 
and that would be Neon Genesis Evangelion. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about why did this become such an important one, the timeline? So um, Neon Genesis had a lot of different elements in its plot that were not being shown before. They had very sexy elements. They had very futuristic elements. They had very warlike elements. And they had very, um, this is the day-to-day life element. It was like a, a mix of so many things, but done well. Um, and the music in this series is beyond great. Mm-hmm. Um, like It's one of the series that I think kind of uh, really led us into um, a an era of just music that was just wow mm. like this I'm is they're, they're 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 doing this like for a series like um so i think neon uh genesis really ushered in that kind of we've got to have good music it can't just be the plot we've got to have good stores good scores we've got to have um good uh we've got to be able to adapt these scores in a way that it's consistent for the the movie or the or the series. So mm-hmm. Neon uh, Genesis really did everything well in terms of their plot, um, the theatrics, everything. Um, and so it's like a it was it obviously comes out from you know Mobile Suit Gundam. Um, we're still seeing that those kind of vibes. However, it stands alone in its goodness. It's not like oh well. You know, Mobile Suit Gundam. What it's like? Neon Neon Genesis stands stands can stand on its own. Um, and so that being an important series for the two thousands. Right. And I guess you know, I I think the the other thing about the uh, Evangelion is that after that there was a lot more giant robot shows that deal with some kind of religious complex mm-hmm. plot or different types of themes, and they have characters that are broken. Agree with that? Absolutely. Religion in anime is covered so often. It's, and which I, I guess I didn't mention earlier when you asked, like, oh, why do I like anime so much? Anime covers so many critical topics in a way that, you know, sometimes it's straightforward, sometimes it's abstract. And religion is definitely a concept that is used in a lot of the storytelling um and i think anime does a really good job with that like to just Mm. tackle how religion impacts societies in what ways how what does it look like um so there's a whole lot of that um cool another uh iconic one that just got remade in live action cowboy bebop um why does this one make the list oh my goodness you talk like (laughs) <laughs> this is an amazing soundtrack it's on its own Yoko Kano put her foot in this soundtrack um, and Cowboy Bebop is just a legendary series when it comes to I mean you've got fashion, you've got characters that have spice that have super personalities I think in a lot of anime probably before this we're seeing like oh um well, yeah, you know, we know this main character is, you know, going to be fighting all the time. This we see 
characters absolutely have their niches. You're not mixing up characters in this series because they all have a specific personality and a specific demeanor. And so I appreciate that the series really gave them all their individuality while keeping the story still at while keeping the plot and the story still at the max. Um, so this was super popular. It's also one of those series, kind of like Dragon Ball, I think impacted a lot of the series that came in the 2000s. Um, we're seeing mannerisms that are different. We're seeing um, characters. I mean, there's fighting and everything. There's conflict and all that kind of stuff. But it's not just, it's not simply a, a series that I would say belongs in Shonen. It also would belong in some other genres. Um, so, like, we're seeing the duality of storytelling in this specific series, and they did an amazing job. Same with, like, Yu Yu Hakusho is one of those other series that just, they really said, we are going to make series have an overall package. The, the music in Yu Yu Hakusho is so good. Uh, and I'm actually about to rewatch it because I want to remember if the series is still that great. Um, but yeah, it's a whole lot of anime during this time period that's really setting the stage for the 2000s and everything. Um, yeah, a lot of mature content, a lot of really interesting sci-fi mm -hmm. subgenres. Like this one might be called a neo-noir western i mean how cool are these these uh subgenres we're seeing dual wielding you know yeah. cowboy is kind of his thing yeah. like we're seeing a whole absolutely that western vibe is there it's like oh run and 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 turn and hide and i'm gonna yeah gunslingers all that kind of stuff we're seeing all that in this but in space <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. With really cool art. Um, so the next one is a bit of a diversion from this uh, trend of maturity and in-depth character darkness uh, with these fun-like characters uh, based on a video game called Pokemon. <laughs> so. Yeah. Pokemon, Pokemon, Pokemon. Um, I actually didn't get into Pokemon until I was a lot older, a teenager. I definitely watched a little bit of it, but it wasn't something that was a favorite. But as far as creating a culture that was so robust, a, a world world building that was so great and large, mm. Pokemon did that so greatly. I mean, the characters were relatable to little kids, but also like relatable to, you know, older kids, younger adults. It was like, oh, Okay, this is like a series for all ages, and Pokemon has an endless amount of movies um, and has been going on for so long. And then was able to create a game, one of the most popular, I would say, card trading games that is out there um, Yu Gi Oh!, Pokemon, um, and, you know, Magic the Gathering, I think, are typically the magic or typically the trading card games that are, you know, held in the most high regard. And so Pokemon being able to do this um, and be able to have, you know, animals or like, you know, Pokemon in this case, that cute. So you got the cuteness added to it. You got the shonen kind of piece added to it because of the fighting and the action and all this. 
Um, you've got the the daily life of, you know, adolescents um, and them trying to train their Pokemon to level up. You've got the the leveling up of the Pokemon also was just a really cool thing for people. Like, oh, I can level up something? Like, and so mm-hmm. it meant, okay, I have to work hard to make sure that I am keeping this Pokemon up on the games, the video games, on you know all the all the Nintendos and all the you know Game Boys and all that kind of stuff. Like Pokemon literally set a standard and has kept to it for so many years, and it's not going anywhere. It's let's not forget. Yeah, let, let's not forget the Pokemon Go game that was a big benchmark yeah, in augmented reality. It was really eight, the first, mm-hmm. right? First thing that sent Absolutely. augmented reality. Suddenly, everyone's running around parks and chasing invisible creatures. Exactly, it was wild. I have a very funny story about Pokemon Go. The first time I used it, I was actually heading to an interview for a job, <laughs> and I had got there way too early. I got there, I think, like about an hour early, and so I parked my car and I was just sitting there. And then I was like thinking about this game that everybody was playing at the time, and. I decided to download it and I was walking around the whole area, the block and, and like where I was about to do my interview, just looking for Pokemon. I will never forget right. that being so fun. Yeah. I remember, I remember crazy things too, where I would be like, Oh, I'd be, I could get down my street and then I'd be running into a park. Yeah. And I realized I was like making friends with all these like 12 year olds in my neighborhood who were all playing this game. And like, there's like mobs of people chasing a rare Pokemon. It was really wild. Um, I don't know if uh, Fitz pretty too, if you had a question or not, use the raise hand option. It will call on you if you have something to add with the anime stuff here, but yeah, Pokemon is a really interesting phenomenon. Okay. That takes us out of the 1990s. We're into the two thousands. And the first one we've got here for the two thousands, Samurai yes. Shampoo. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about this one. It's pretty, pretty interesting. This is um, one of my favorite uh, one-season series. Um, a series that I think actually did a really good job with how they ended it in one season. Um, even though uh, I'm sure a lot of people would ask for more. But this is a direct, honestly, a direct impact of cowboy bebop in the 90s samurai and samurai shampoo we're seeing all the elements of hip-hop we're seeing the music we're seeing the mannerisms you know we're seeing the mixture of of martial arts and also like how that was um you know then transformed in a way in in hip-hop culture we're seeing like very like okay bouncy this is it's not playful but very um mobile like this is an adventure kind of in a way and i mean the goal of this anime is like they're trying to find a sound a specific samurai and three of these characters meet randomly they decide that okay we're all gonna go on this quest the sake of one of the characters and to um find this specific the specific samurai the flat with this specific flower like you mentioned religion this actually has a very subtle piece of uh religious uh kind of discourse in it so i remember when i first watched it i didn't catch it and i was reading about 
a sunrise shampoo one time and I said, wait a minute, I missed this. So I had to go re rewatch it because I was like, I didn't realize the impact um, of some of the scenes because of the religious aspect to it. Um, so this series is probably one of the best one seasons that anime has ever produced. <laughs> uh, and right. so it is literally just a direct impact of the 90s. Mm. Just direct. It's interesting, you know, thinking of the 90s, you're talking about the influence on hip hop. I'm thinking of like Wu-Tang. They were taking mm -hmm. noises out of samurai movies and, and anime movies and kind of crossing it into their music yep. and stuff like that. So I guess that legacy started there and gone here. Um, cool. So then we've got uh, we've got a few more from the thousands that are really popular. I wasn't able to put the, the third one on this slide. We've got uh, Naruto, Bleach, and then I guess One Piece is the other one that I didn't one get piece. to get up here. Why, why are those three the three that are the legacy of the thousands? <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> a lot of people these days would say that those three series are the big three, Naruto, mm -hmm. Bleach, and One Piece. And people might say, oh, well, it's a Naruto, One Piece, and Dragon Ball Z. Um, mm -hmm. I disagree, but I recognize how important these series were for Shonen. One Piece is one mm -hmm. of the longest running we have. I think it's on episode... Uh, close to 1100 if not past that so wow. there is no other series that has that many episodes um and right. they consistently um have um a good track record for how much of the manga is bought Naruto also i feel like just like dragon ball z was a series that people were watching and didn't really see as anime until they started like, oh, okay, that's what this is. Oh, let me look up some more. And then they started getting into anime. Naruto was just one of those series that, I mean, it was just, well, we are fighting. We are doing some really cool ninja things. You know, ninjas was a popular, you know, thing for little boys. So that's what Shonen is for. Um, and so, like, that's why I feel like it was popular. And still to this day, you know, Naruto ended up having Naruto she put in um, later on. Um, but both of the series are still like really held in high regard. A lot of people love to talk about um, Naruto and Dragon Ball Z, um, even if that's the only anime they've ever seen. They hold it right. in super high regard. And Bleach actually just got um, a new uh, addition to their series for this year that started a month or so ago for uh, the Thousand Year Blood War arc. Um, so that's so great. I mean, it's airing on Hulu and um, uh, stuff and Disney Plus internationally. So it's like these series have a lot of longevity and they just have impacted a lot of shonen anime, which is typically how, how, have, how I've experienced anime. A lot of people tend to watch shonen um, more than I think a lot of other genres. There are thinking about how you watch, you know, any other movie or any other TV show, the genres in anime are absolutely there. There's horror, there's psychological thriller, there's um, slice of life, which is, you know, someone might say drama, comedy, you got um, super, you know, sexy things, you got etchy, you got um, um, uh, 
oh gosh, I'm losing my train of thought. But you've got all these different types of genres, um, just like any other type of um, entertainment. And so there's not just one type of anime someone has to watch, which is why I love anime, because it's like literally something for everyone. Speaking of something for everyone, uh, the next one here uh, actually won the uh, Best Animated Feature Oscar in 2002, Miyazaki uh, Spirited Away, and they just opened Miyazaki a Ghibli Park or something like that in Japan, where you oh can actually goodness. go and immerse yourself in the worlds of Miyazaki. It's pretty incredible. I cannot wait. Uh, one day I will absolutely visit. <laughs> but um, Spirited Away is my favorite Studio Ghibli film. Um, mm. And I didn't talk about Studio Ghibli films throughout this entire time, but Studio Ghibli films go way back. Um, there are films from the 60s, films in the, seven, in, in the 80s and everything, and, I, and some in the 50s. Like, Studio Ghibli has made a name for themselves. I could do a, honestly, and I've done this on my podcast, I could do a whole episode about Studio Ghibli which is why I didn't want to talk about it uh, because it's so good. Spirited Away, music, Joe Hisashi, beyond God tier. <laughs> um, and Spirited Away in itself was just an, a, a pure anime, animated genius. Um, it's just a beautiful piece of artwork. Mm-hmm. Something that will never um, lose its touch because of just how beautiful, how beautifully made it is, um, how wonderful the storyline is, um, how wonderful the characters were, how amazing the music was. I mean, this was just a beautiful piece of art, which like you mentioned, you know, for it to win that award is definitely an accolade that a lot of animation, you know, studios, they don't get unfortunately, uh, when it comes to a winning awards, sometimes it's really hard for anim- animated things to you know, be taken seriously because it's simply because they're animated. And so for um, anime from an international perspective to win something like this is definitely a feat. And, and the other interesting thing about these is that Miyazaki stuff is so often, like you were saying, spiritual and uh, has sort of overtones of religion uh, from a Japanese uh, perspective. And um, I think that that's another example of, of this one where there's dealing with a lot of death and goes on a, a quest to get her parents back from the afterlife, essentially, right? Um, but it's, a, it's, it's really interesting. Deep themes and very, very artistically done. Owen and Hell's Moving Castle are my two. Oh, my goodness. Exactly ones, yeah. Um, Okay, cool. So we're out of the 2000s. We're into 2010s. We're almost there, guys. We've almost hit it. Oh, it looks like uh, 420 Business might have something to say. Oh, yes, he does have his hand up. <laughs> Thank you, 420 Business. How's it going? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Sure can. Okay. I have a question for you both that I love to ask anybody who has seen Spirited Away and loves it. My question for you is, does Chihiro remember everything at the end? Ooh, I'm leaving this one. Spoiler alert. alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything exactly. as in everything that has happened in the movie since like her parents turned. You know, that's interesting. I don't think I've ever thought about that. It's really, if you look back, the way that she turns 
this look on her face that's like nostalgic, but at the same time, it's like she doesn't oh, know what she happened. Comes out after she comes out of the tunnel. Exactly. And then her the her hair tie that she got from Baba's sister glitters. Mm-hmm. There's something about that moment. It's you don't know if she knows or not. So I like to ask. That's really cool. That's wonderful. I mean, I literally was talking about the other day. Hey, it would be would love to have a sequel for Spirited Away. Just because. Uh so that I would definitely think about that. <laughs> Uh, cool. Thank you. No, it's, it's so much uh, food for thought. And there's so many layers and depth to a good piece of art that you can interpret it in different ways, uh, which is uh, one of the powerful things about it. So, so thank you so much for, for the question. I love that you know it so in-depthly. Um, if you had any others, let, uh, let us know here. We're about to dive into the 2010s. Sword Art Online. So this is one that uh, I personally oh love. Being a VR guy, loving virtual reality, this is where they get caught inside a massive multiplayer game. Yeah. And uh, they have to beat the game in order to get back to their real, all of their bodies. But how cool mm-hmm. of a concept is that? Um, so I had to throw this I love it. I love Sword Art Online. Sword Art Online lately gets a lot of, you know, a lot of people give it a, a little bit of hell. Um, but Sword Art Online is an amazing series. I think um, Dot Hack, a sign that came out before it, was a definitely impacted making of this series. Um, and there's a bunch of different types of dot .hack um, slash, there's dot .hack slash root and all that kind of stuff. It's sort of a lot of art online, especially the first season, I think just really did a great job. This anime, like obviously, like, you know, the nerve gear and everything, we're seeing people vanish because they have been killed inside of this game. We're seeing people, you know, we're seeing a lot of different realities of humanity because of how people act. Um, who wants to win more? Who wants to? You, whose sole purpose is simply to make sure that other people don't win? Who is just has just decided I have no more life outside of this game, so therefore I'm just going to live and build a family instead of trying to beat it. You've got so many different types of perspectives in this anime, and I will always appreciate it because I just think watching that season for the first time, which it now has like four seasons i think the other seasons are good as well mm-hmm. uh, will never be something that i can get again when i rewatch mm-hmm. this series it's like i feel like i know everything but i'll never forget how i felt to watch it the first time oh cool. um 420 business may have uh some insights into this one as well how's it going <laughs> Hi, I just have a question. I've never got into Sword Art Online. All I've heard is all the hate that it gets. Oh, Where yeah. do you think that comes from? Um, so I absolutely know where it comes from. <laughs> so there is, a, people would say, oh my goodness, I just hate season two of this anime. Um, it's just so awful. And I can't believe they really did this. And in reality, when you start talking to people, uh, they actually hate the last half of season one. <laughs> it actually wasn't a, that's not actually season two, but there is a switch, kind of like a change in season one happened. And the kind of changes um, the concept of the game in a way um, in season one. And then there's just some questionable things that happen along the way. I know that some people were not with 
Um, there are some people that they were like, oh my goodness, like they really killed off this person. Uh, there's some people like, oh, I didn't really, I don't really like how they are, you know, showing all these elements of, uh, you know, uh, uh, sexual assault possibly. Um, so there are a variety of reasons, but I think that part, a lot of people think it's season two just because of how different it was from the first part of season one. They didn't like it. Um, but I feel like if you can get past that season, the the whole series is still enjoyable. All right. Thank you. I've never heard that perspective. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Just sorry for 20. Never heard that perspective. Um, uh, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I've read Sword Art Online. I've also read Locker similar one where people get teleported into a virtual world. Sword Art Online mm -hmm. was my favorite one, though. It was a cleaner concept. Only watched season one, though. So maybe, oh, you know, wow. you're right, 420. <laughs> you're sure I show you. I don't have to hate because I didn't, I've, I've heard that season two is not as good. So I just never even. Uh, season never two even deals that. with guns. So a lot of people are like, what? But the main character still use swords. So uh, um, it's definitely a different concept actually in season two. But the last half of season one is different as well. Um, okay, so this one is another crowd favorite, one that you uh, mm -hmm. were like, we got to have Joe's Bizarre Adventure in here. So uh, we're almost at the end now, guys. So thanks for sticking with us. There was, by the way, I like I mentioned, Shoyo had about 100 yeah. different series that she wanted to show. Like, we're going to narrow it down to like 20. Uh, and that's what we were able to do. But there's so much content. Um, and we're so happy to have our guide here to help us through it. But what's so special about JoJo's uh, our Adventure? So um, JoJo's, I will preface with the fact that I actually don't like JoJo's in any way, oh, shape, or form. However, JoJo's, this version of JoJo's, is a very modern take of the original JoJo's that happened in the um, 19, 1980s or 1970s. Um, it is basically a, a new adaptation of the ongoing series. Um, and so this specific type of animation, though, has been super appealing to viewers. Um, people love the stands. They love the action. They love how the character, um, the character's mannerisms. And so this is just a super popular series. I just happen not to like. But I feel like it's important to see that this series has been going on for a long time. This modern take on it definitely just took off and mm. people just are super fascinated with it um the characters are so individual that's that's something i will give them um jojo does a very great job at giving their characters individuality and they have good music i can always mm. understand and, and be straightforward if a series has good music you got you got it i'm not going to take that away from them at all <laughs> And again, it's dealing with these spiritual themes, right? These psycho-spiritual manifestations or something mm -hmm. that have unique supernatural abilities. So again, do you, think that, yeah, do you think they're derived of all the way back to the Neon Genesis uh, Evangelion, or do you think it goes further back than that uh, with all of these spiritual themes? Well, I think since the original series came out around that time, it probably does have some of those themes. Um, mm. And since the, man the manga has been going on for forever, it seems like it's like 
I think he definitely derived from some from got that kind of supernatural feel from some of those really popular tropes in that time period. And now they've translated into they've translated it well to where modern audiences are just like, oh, this is just amazing. So oh. they've got longevity there. Okay, well, we've got our last slide, our last individual slide here with Attack on Titan, oh, which I have some friends who say this is their all-time favorite. What is the appeal of Attack on Titan? This is, and I say this firmly, this is the best, one of the best stories regardless of anime, cartoons, movies, books, this is one of the best stories of all time. No one can convince me otherwise. There is so much um, goodness in this series. I mean, they've got every single thing in a very high rating. Plot, amazing. Climax is amazing. How they set up the story, Amazing. Um, the foundation, amazing. The music, amazing. Hiroyuki Sawano is one of my faves. Did very well in uh, the, the beginning seasons. Um, there's just so much greatness about the story that they are telling. It's a revolutionary story, in my opinion. Um, and they do not leave anything behind. This is not one of those stories that they were just like, oh, okay, you know, we're going to take this super intense topic and we're just going to, you know, just do a little bit. They decided, oh, we're taking this super intense topic and we are going to go far. And the last part of the series is going to be airing in the beginning of next year. I'm super excited about it. This is a super mm -hmm. popular series. Um, and Isayama, the person who, you know, wrote it is master storyteller just based off of this one manga um and this one this one anime uh, there's nothing that can change my mind it's just that good it's that great just on a story standpoint even without looking at the animation techniques the story in itself mm -hmm. is too interesting has so many moving parts that are that are that are moving well and under and on top of the surface that it's just like wow. Mm. Oh, and it's, it's, it's what a cool concept. There's like these gigantic man-eating humanoids that the are called titan. titans that are yep. attacking, and they've got to save the human uh, species from extinction, essentially from these giant creatures. So it's a very, very cool concept. I'm gonna gonna have to check check that out. Okay, before we get into yeah. the 2020s and beyond, I'm curious. Uh, two really quick uh, rapid-fire questions here. Is your all-time favorite anime? All-time favorite anime is Haikyuu. Haikyuu is a volleyball sports anime. There is not an anime oh. that makes me, that brings me the as much joy as I get simply seeing um, that anime. And that's where my name comes from. Shoyo. Shoyo is um, Shoyo Hinata is the main character in Haikyuu, and I just adore that series. Oh, okay, interesting. So we didn't we didn't even have that slide up there. We should have definitely. I put know, there for, but it's it. okay. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, so the, the next rapid question: If you were to give a newbie 
one thing that they had to watch that, that you think would uh, make them a believer, what would you give them? I think it would depend on what genre they told me that they that they liked the most. But a good starter anime that I would recommend for anyone is Death Note. Death hmm. Note does a wonderful job when it comes to um, suspense. Does a wonderful job with introducing us to some of the very poignant type of anime in main characters. It also gives us a little hint about you know. Oh, okay. The thrill of it all, because it is a shonen. Although you know you don't see that much fighting, um, it still has that suspense, that thrill that is in the series is just pretty legendary, I would say. Um, and it's got so many elements of just you know, mystery and coolness in it that I think anyone could be able to relate to it. But I think it would depend on like if someone told me oh, well, I like comedies and I probably, I'd probably switch up my recommendation first, but I mm-hmm. still think Death Note is just a good starter anime for anyone. Got it, great. Okay, so, so then what would you do if they said they loved comedy? What would be the one that you would give them? If they loved comedy. Huh. I'd say something like like if if I was going for modern terms, I'd say something like The Great Pretender. Um, hmm. It's comedy uh, a whole lot in a way because you know plot. Um, I'd also I would absolutely also um, recommend uh, something that is subtle, um, like uh, Goku dolls. Um, that's a, a little thing on Netflix. It's just it just got those funny elements, you know, in it that I think anyone can sit down and be like, oh, okay, you know, I can get a laugh out this. Um, but yeah, I think it oh. just depends on the person. Which, oh, hey. cool. wow. Well, I wasn't expecting any of those answers, and I love them all. <laughs> okay, so oh. we're just gonna get into the tw- so, so we love to end the episodes with. The future, where do you think the genre is headed and where is this all going? And so 2020s is where we are now. We're at the beginning of the 2020s and we've got seven more years to go in this decade. Where do you think this genre is going and what are the trends that you're seeing right now? Um, seeing a whole lot of this season specifically, fall um, 2022, probably one of the best seasons of anime that we've seen in a while. It's mm. so good um, for for Shonen right now. Shonen is taking off. Um, it's also got a good amount of uh, slice of life anime that have interesting topics. Like there's an anime right now that's called uh, DIY, Do It Yourself. And it's basically a group of, you know, girls that are struggling through and going through um, trying to create things for themselves. It seems like, oh, why the heck would I watch it? But it's actually pretty interesting to see them figure things out. Um, I think that anime is in a wonderful place right now. I think I can't, I can only imagine greatness coming forward when it comes to these stories. I think we definitely have gotten to a point where we're seeing, especially in the shonen anime, where we're having a little bit of saturation with uh, the same types of main characters or the same types of, of stories that might be told, even if they're told differently. 
we're seeing like the same kind of, oh, this is the trope they're going with, or this is um, the superpower, the superpowers and the superheroes. Um, seeing a lot, I think we're still seeing a lot of that, but I think in the future, all I can see is great, wonderful stories. All of these series have been great. Chainsaw Man is a huge, huge show right now that I'm watching that has been nothing less than amazing so far. Um, then we've got some different things like Darwin's Game is just, uh, it's got that throw to it. It's also got that, um, this is a game kind of thing in a way like um, Saw, even though it's not like that, mm -hmm. but in kind of in that way, like, oh, we're playing a game. It means life mm -hmm. or death. And we've got things like Spy Family that appeal to the regular person. If you don't watch anime, I know so many people that talk about Anya, which is the uh, one of the main characters in the series, and they've never watched anime a day in their life. They're like, oh my God, I just love Anya because it's a relatable fam familial story. Um, and they just cover family values and like, you also see the spy things with it. It's got some historical pieces in it, which I think are really cool to delve into. But we've got a variety of types of stories being told right now, even though I still think Shonen is kind of the subgenre that's you know always being pushed in in, in animes lover fate lovers' faces. Um, I just think we've got a lot to look forward to because there is just so much goodness. This season is good. Um, the winter season of next year is also going to be immaculate. Um, I have, I just am excited, honestly, uh, like watching, having a new episode that's just good almost every single day this season has been wonderful. It doesn't happen all the time. And so I mm -hmm. think uh, we're going in a good direction. I'm hoping to see a, a few newer stories as we get into like, got more adaptations of webtoons coming on got more adaptations of stories that are coming from different uh types of asian cultures like korea um and so i'm looking forward to all the diversity of it all uh, while still really excited for the things that are continuing that have been on for a long time oh Oh, great. This is uh, this has been amazing. And Shoyo, this is like a double episode because you've been talking for 90 minutes straight without oh basically pausing. And your encyclopedic knowledge, it, all of our audience, if it's on YouTube or the Spotify or Apple podcasts, are all going to benefit from this knowledge that you're giving to us. We wanted to uh, gift you with an NFT. Uh, we made this NFT on uh, Dolly 2. Uh, using Aww. text prompts and it's an anime character looking into our synthwave sun so it's kind of like a mashing of simulation nation with anime and we're going to give this to you uh if you have That's a so nice. metamask wallet or a polygon wallet or something like that uh it's the uh, least we could do having you here and sharing all of your wisdom with us so thank you so, so much Shoyo, for coming Thank you so much for having me. That's so cool. I really appreciate it. I've loved this conversation. I really hope y'all watch anime. Oh, well, we've got one more question from Nutrika, and then we'll let people let you uh, tell people where to get in touch with you. Yes, Nutrika, right. you've been here all the whole <laughs> hello, time hello. for 90 minutes. We are not worthy <laughs> of you either. 
Yes. Uh, I have uh, one question uh, because uh, I'm from a country, I'm from uh, Poland, and in Poland we don't have so much expression, uh, emotion, but the manga is a, a special, has a special emotion. So mm -hmm. for me it's it's amazing. And I have a question, uh, where do such strong emotion come from? Mm. So I'd say that I think that's one of the things I mentioned of why I like anime so much. They take expressions, especially facial expressions, to an extreme that we don't usually see in rather regular types of animations or cartoons. Um, the character I am cosplaying right now, the expressions they use in Kakaguri are just out of this world. Like it's it it is intense anger, it's intense happiness, it's intense um um laughing. Everything is intense. It's not your regular type of emotional expression. And I think um that that is just like how um mangakas and everything express the intenseness of uh, and add to the intenseness of a story. You just decide, okay, you know what? In order to show anger, I can't simply uh, have a bubble that says, you know, oh, I'm really mad at you. It has to be this extreme expression of, you know, anger on that on that character's face. And so they do it in a variety of ways, depending on the uh, art style that that uh, mangaka uses and everything. And I think it's wonderful because it really is extra. It's really extreme that we see in anime that's not like anything else. It's not simply, oh, I'm happy and I'm just smiling. You get that regular smiling shot and then they give us a, a double shot where that person's grin is like halfway up their face. And it's like, oh my goodness, like that made the scene more intense. So I don't really know why they do it. Besides, I really just feel like they just want to make sure that the reader knows this is a really important or really happy, really angry, really sad moment that they express with these super intense uh, expressions. Yeah, and it's with animation, they're allowed to be expressionistic as well. They don't have mm -hmm. to be super realistic, so they can express emotion through uh, through the visual style as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's a great uh, question to end on. Thank you so much, Nutrinka. Thanks for uh, teleporting in from Poland. I love that. Uh, it must be very early or very late for you, so we're happy to have you here. Um, so, Shoyo, where can people uh, get in touch with you to join your anime club, to listen to your podcast, to just uh, thank you for coming on the show? How could they reach out to you? Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, I have two Instagrams that I run. My personal one is Adventure Time VR. Yes, Adventure Time, like the show. Um, Adventure Time VR is where I post any and everything related to VR, anything and everything related to anime or things that I'm building. Um, then I have Swan underscore VR, Swan, S W A N underscore VR, which is um, an anime network that me and my podcast co host kind of created where we do skits. Uh, about anime and that we upload we talk about anime news uh, we post our podcast there i post my podcast on um my personal page as well um but we do anything related to anime in the metaverse that is the uh, swan underscore vr is what we use 
Um, and then on YouTube, that is where our podcast is hosted. We have um, three seasons that are on there. We're still in the middle of season three right now, taking a little break, uh, currently a little pause, but all three seasons, anything we've recorded in the past year and a half is on YouTube uh, with the handle Adventure Time VR again. I use keep that. And so you can look on Um, I use Discord all the time. I also have a much smaller version of the Seas Anime Club channel and group on Discord. If you felt like, if you feel like, you know, you, you're a Discord user and you want to join, feel free to add me on Discord, and I will send you an invite. Also, all of those. Um, all of the, the anime worlds that I have are on space. Um, you can join uh, C apostrophe S anime club. You can search that in all spaces channels and in all spaces groups. I have free templates that are in the all spaces group that you can feel free to use as well that are inspired by anime. In any event that we have, whether it be a watch party, um, our podcast, we used to do waifu wars. Um, any event, social event, whatever, is on going to be posted on the Allspace channel and Allspace uh, group page. So feel free to subscribe to those. You get some free stuff out of it too. And if you like Discord, then feel free to message me at Adventure Time VR hashtag zero nine six three. But those are really the ways I use Instagram all the time, and I think that that's also a good way to reach me. Well, I will put all of those in the show notes. So we'll put links to all that stuff. And hopefully we can get uh, some more people to join your communities because clearly you have a true passion for anime and a true knowledge of all things anime. And you have a lot to offer your community. So, so thank you uh, so much, uh, Shoyo. And uh, thank you, everybody, for teleporting into this world cast of Simulation Nation, whether you're with us virtual reality from Poland, like Nutrinka here, and uh, who knows where Eric is is from uh or if you're listening to the podcast on spotify or apple podcast watching on youtube at the simulation nation and remember to subscribe to our instagram as well the simulation nation twitter at simulation vr and our discord server and then join us next week for our dive into 3d stereoscopic photography and its uses in the metaverse till then be plugged my friends